Welcome to Beyond the Boards, your go-to podcast for all things related to the exciting world of digital out-of-home advertising. I'm your host, Patrick Brennan, here to take you behind the screens and into the inner workings of our fascinating industry. On each episode, we'll hear from the visionaries, creators, and analysts driving this fast-paced industry forward. We'll talk about emerging technologies, creative campaigns, as well as strategy, measurement, and insights. The goal is both to entertain and educate anyone who shares a passion for digital out-of-home advertising. So sit back, relax, and get ready to go beyond the boards. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Beyond the Boards podcast. Today, I have on my longtime friend and colleague, our Director of Client Services and Training, Quinn Brella. Quinn, thank you so, so, so much for Woo! taking the time to come on. Thanks for having me, Patrick. I'm so happy to be here. Me too. I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, as I was telling you before we even recorded, we could go a million directions with this. I mean, you've worked in a lot of different aspects of the company. You've truly been someone that's worked their way up. And I think it'll be a really interesting kind of, uh, you know, kind of conversation to see which direction this goes. Because like I said, there's a lot of ways we can go. So before we get into different topics and, and ways, you know, kind of to, to build a business and training and building a team, all this stuff, right? Tell us a little bit about your backstory. How did you start with Encompass and where are you at now? Yeah, of course. Well, as you know, I can talk about Encompass TV all day, every day. I'm sure that we could have a several hour podcast if we wanted to. I actually started in graphic design and photography. So I had gone to art school actually throughout uh, high school as well as college. And my focus was graphic design and photography. So my goal was always to get into the advertiser realm. I was very much an art kid growing up and my parents were not shy about letting me know how hard it is to make money in the art world. And so they were very much encouraging me to get into graphic design and photography, some things that I could really capitalize on. And throughout that, I created my own little business, uh, working with a lot of other small local businesses, as well as doing some headshots with photography and so on. But I would get really bored with the, the back end aspect of it, but I loved working with small businesses. Um, throughout that, you know, I did door, door knocking when I was doing graphic design, just because I thought of it as one of the only ways to get clients is through referrals or going and introducing myself to these small businesses in my area. Um, so I did that for a couple of years and then I got an opportunity to work with a, uh, visual brand identity company. Um, they did a bunch of jobs for like really the high-end offices of like Google and things like that. And a lot of it was about the mindset while people are working. Uh, it helped me work with some larger clients, but it really even furthered the, the, the fire that I had in me of working with small businesses, especially on their marketing. Um, through that, I then had gotten a role with wholesale, which was B2B sales. I was selling to other retail spaces and that was pretty short lived before I understood that like my passion is in sales and helping local businesses. Um, so I found, I actually had a friend that was working at a compass at the time and, uh, she said that they were hiring for a salesperson. And when I looked at the job description, it was mostly working with small local businesses, going out there and talking to people. I, I love talking to people and working with small business and just being all over town. I mean, sales is definitely 
a passion of mine because of the way that we do sales, because that's the way that I typically conducted myself when I was doing cold calling and introducing myself to people. To build my business was going out there and talking to other small businesses. So that was something that I was fairly comfortable with, but also um, all of the marketing strategy that kind of went into it. I think it was a blast for me to work with advertisers initially to create their ads and put together their campaign. These are things that I've been listening to and kind of observing for a really long time. And now I have the opportunity to actually do it. Before I was kind of the designer that was being told what the strategy is, but now I was on the other end of things of actually creating the strategy, which was so much fun for me. And did, didn't you start doing the pandemic? It was a year before the pandemic I started, okay, right. and then I was doing it for about seven months. And then I was brought in to work more with corporate and the dealers um, on training because we had created a new training program. So I was then brought in for about, I'd say, four to six months and sent back out again. So I got brought into the corporate office. And then right after I was, it was the midst of the pandemic. And they said, okay, go make some sales. I figured that if I was in the pandemic, one of the hardest hardest times to do sales with nobody actually going out there. If I could sell then, I could sell anytime. And the truth is, I think a lot of people during the pandemic, you didn't get a lot of door knockers during that time. A lot of people were brought in. So me door knocking, going and talking to people, some of these decision makers were saying, you're the first person that I've talked to all day. And they really enjoyed the conversation. So I think that for us, we kind of thrive through the pandemic because we didn't have a lot of other competition out there. But regardless, I was not afraid to go out there. I still had my mask on, which was pretty hard to sell with, but I was not afraid to go out there and meet people in person still. We, we were having a webinar, I think a month ago or a couple of weeks ago, and one of the dealers said, I wish I could take Quinn's confidence, bottle it up and drink it so I could become that confident. So clearly that's <laughs> a trait of yours that stands out immediately to people, right? And I, I know that for a fact with working with you for so long. So how do you, you know, and this may be hard to answer, but how are you so confident on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, I will say that it is not something that I'm born with. It, I remember being a very insecure young girl. I remember even throughout my teenage years, I was very insecure. Um, but a lot of it, I think, came from trial and tribulation. Um, you know, I knew that I wanted to get into sales. I knew that I loved working with local businesses. I knew all of these things that I, I wanted, but I was really nervous to do these things. And then, of course, you kind of have this inner battle of, am I good enough to go out there and start to talk about to all these local businesses about the di design work that I've done this far? And I remember thinking, no, I'm not. But I had a lot of people around me who were telling me, yes, you are. And that even came into uh, art school. I did not think that I was, I was good enough. I was looking at another program, but I was told by my peers, yes, you are. And so I took that leap. And although I was unsure about myself taking that leap, I saw things that were working and what weren't working kind of throughout as my, as my um, confidence was developing. Um, I think that confidence a lot of it, and you'll hear Larry say this too, is fake it until you make it, right? 
Um, I was not the most confident person when I first started door knocking, not for this business, but for even going after design clients. But all I knew that I needed to do was fake it until I make it or else I'm not actually going to gain any experience. So I would go out there and I think that a lot of it was doing and proving to myself that I could do. So for you to be a graphic designer, I, I mean, to me, it's kind of funny now knowing you because you're just such a sales focus kind of. And Yes, I want to be out there talking to people. Let me be with the people. Absolutely. You got to do what makes you happy, right? Um, and you're a people person. I, I do know that when you started, you made a couple thousand phone calls, correct? You were on the phone, just call, cold calling businesses um, in the oh, thick of yeah. it, really, really learning. So when you're in the midst of that, right? So you come from this graphic design background. You're now going to try something relatively new. I know you had a little bit of experience before this in sales, but just just a bit. You're, you're calling all these people. How did you not just want to rip your hair out and quit? in the middle of cold calling after being, you know, in design and art all your life? There were moments that I wanted to rip my hair out for sure. But <laughs> I think that the learning the pitch, learning what it means to like find data and research your client before you're calling them and really cater a list, that was all really exciting for me. I think that the calling itself was really intimidating. Everything else was things that I was learning that was new and that was really exciting. I think that Taking doing cold calls, it takes a special type of person. You have to have a lot of tenacity and belief in yourself to continue to do those cold calls. I'll be honest, I am not a good cold caller. I can walk in any place, introduce myself, and set an appointment. But let's say I call a hundred places. I probably will need to call a hundred or a couple other hundred places before I actually set an appointment. Now let's say I walk into a hundred places. I will probably set anywhere from 25 to 50 appointments. So I will be honest, when it comes to cold calling, like over the phone, I am not nearly as strong as I am in person. But don't get it wrong. There are some people that you have to cold call. There are some people that don't have a physical office. They don't have a place that you could actually walk into. Those are people that you have to call. The others, which is the majority of them, they have some type of home office, some type of place where people, especially the core group, is going to work together. That is where I really shine is in person. Now, I have had to set appointments over the phone, but in person is really where I knew that my personality could come out, which I, I am selling myself. I'm selling, you're working with me. I'm going to consult with you. We're going to create a campaign together that works the best for your business. I'm also selling the connections that I have. No, I was in every single networking group and I had so much, I had a huge book of business. Signing up with me to advertise is also tapping into that book of business, essentially. So I think that in person, I'm able to sell myself better. And it's, I mean, shockingly less intimidating when I have somebody in front of me than when they're just on the phone. But that's just me. I've, had, I've seen a lot of people in this business who have had really good experiences with cold calling. But truthfully, I am a walk-in gal. And, and I love that. And Obviously, you know, we, we sell digital advertising, digital ad space on indoor billboards and digital marketing products and services. You, you know, during your time as director of sales, just to transition just a little bit. So you built your way up, you, you became the director of sales and obviously you're now the director of, call, uh, of client services. But during your time as director of sales, you built up a massive book of business. You're, you're very humble about things, but you built up a massive book of business in a very short amount of time. Was a lot of that through, you know, the chamber and networking and things like that? Or was it mostly door to door? Or was it a hybrid of both? I think it was a hybrid of both. I would say that 
probably the bulk of my book of business does come from the chamber and government organizations and things like that. But they kind of, I mean, they do work together. Um, just as an example, you know, I was on the, I was as the connector crew of my chamber, which means that we were the first to volunteer for everything. We went to every ribbon cutting. I mean, we were the most involved. And then um, we also, I was involved in several chambers. So not just that chamber being the connector crew and so on, but I was involved in several others. I was also on the board of a nonprofit. Um, on top of that, when I was door knocking, I was introducing people to this concept, but also being a chamber member. If they were saying that they wanted more business and they wanted to do more cross networking and so on, I would introduce them to the chamber. So not only was I taking people from the chamber and kind of expanding on my business with them, but I was also trying to introduce the community to the chamber because I knew how beneficial it was to me and those other businesses. Um, throughout the chamber, I think that if you're consistent and if you are going to everything, everybody knows you. That is one of the easiest ways to kind of climb the social ladders of your local community. Um, you know, one day I'm in a chamber meeting, just becoming a part of the connector crew. And then a month later, I am being introduced to the mayor and all of these people. And then a month later, I'm in a mentorship program and there's a bunch of high level people from government from there. And they also go to all of these other events that are by invite only that I'm now being invited to. You know, it really snowballs over time. And what you see in the chamber is very much a surface level. It goes so much deeper than that because the chamber is really dedicated to being a resource connecting local government and some of these higher business entities that contribute to the economy immensely and small business. They are the glue between those two things. So if I can master the chamber and become a favorite of the chamber, which we are, um, I can very much quickly climb the social ladders and get introduced to anybody I want to. You've built yourself up that way. So I, I know that when new businesses join the chamber or even some existing businesses and they need any sort of marketing help, the chamber's like, hey, talk to Quinn, you know, talk to Encompass because you built it to that level. But let's say, you know, when you were first starting out going to the chamber, right? You're brand new. You don't know anything in terms of like how it all works, right? You're, you're really, really green in that area. What's the appropriate way to approach that to start selling your business and start selling your services? Is it to go in and say, hey, this is what I do, book an appointment with me? Or is there some other strategy involved with that? You can approach it in that way, but I think that people in the chamber, I mean, they're all there to spread the word about their business and make connections. And if you're too pushy about, hey, let me pitch you my medium, people get turned off by that. And so I think that my approach was very much of a mutual, let's get to know each other. So I would literally walk up. To, I, my goal was to set three appointments out of every chamber meeting. And that's not appointments to sell them, but appointments to get to know them better and genuinely get to know them better. And what I would do is out of those three appointments, they would be for coffee or dinner or breakfast or whatever it may be. And I would ask them so many questions about their business. And in turn, they asked me questions about mine. This is networking. And then there's an opportunity for a potential sale. I'm not pushing them to buy from me, but I am letting them know everything that we do. And more importantly, who our ideal client is. Let's say that that person that's across from us that we scheduled a coffee meeting for is a real estate agent, doesn't do a lot of marketing, um, doesn't really need branding, so on, really small real estate agent. But I tell her who my ideal client is and she really likes me then she's going to send me a bunch of referrals. And so uh, what happens is eventually you turn around and you say, okay, I've had coffee and breakfast with like everybody in this chamber. Now you go do it again. 
And that second, third time that you're sitting down with that person to get to know them better, you are getting, you're actually building a relationship. So you just talk to somebody one time, don't expect them to send you a bunch of referrals. You become a true friend and they like, know, and trust you. They're going to send you referrals and then potentially even do business with you themselves as well. A lot of people come and go from the chamber. And I think that pe the regulars of the chamber and the core group, they, they see this and they watch it as well. If you show up to one meeting and then you don't show up to another one for six months, you might as well have not even showed up to that first meeting. It is something that has to be consistently worked on. That's great advice. So consistency is key in really getting to know people, it sounds like, and really truly actually building yes. the relationship instead of just trying to sell. That's, exactly. that's really sound advice. So something else that, that you've done a phenomenal job of, um, especially while you're you know the director of sales, is not only maintaining client relationships, but really building them. That we had clients go from you know maybe being on 10 to 20 billboards to suddenly they're on 100 billboards uh, in terms of advertising space that they're buying. And then suddenly they're, they have a full-scale omni-channel campaign where they're doing websites through us and geofencing and social media, all this different stuff, right? How do you not only maintain those relationships, but truly develop those clients into building their campaigns over time? Well, it is, um, I mean, it is a constant working with them. So a lot of my paying advertisers, I have recurring meetings with them. So it's a tentative meeting, you know, every other month at this time, we'll go to lunch at every other month at this time, I'll go into their location and take some pictures and sit down with them and talk to them about their campaign. I have, I have my list of clients that I'm looking at constantly. And before I even kind of put them into my regular flow, as soon as I sign them on board, I kind of associate with them all of the other potential services that they have to take advantage of. So depending on their budget, if it's really small, then it might be something like GBP. Maybe we could eventually help them with their website. Um, maybe we do a small geofencing campaign in addition to their hosting. Let's say that it's a large budget and they're doing a large indoor build board campaign and I also have them on geofencing and now I want to talk to them about OTT CTV. I kind of uh, divide my clients into like small, medium businesses, little budget and medium to large businesses, larger budget. Um, and throughout that, that kind of presents to me what my upselling opportunities are with them. But I'm keeping an itemized list immediately as soon as I sign them on of what they could be. And then throughout my work with them, I kind of drop little seeds on what services I think would be most beneficial to them. So if I have my first check-in with them um, and they talk about how many impressions do you think we got? What do you think the ROI is on indoor billboards? I might start to talk to, start to educate them on the branding of the indoor billboards and then pose to them some alternative campaigns that can get an ROI. Maybe I am talking to them about the success of their campaign and it's done really well and they want to expand into other markets eventually. I will kind of start to plant the seeds of them expanding right then and there. And then every time I talk to them is expanding those seeds. I also, we had a Denver network newsletter and that not just helped them feel like we're everywhere. We're talking to them all the time, but it also helped us naturally upsell people. So in that newsletter, we would put things like a, a product spotlight, basically. And it wasn't called that. It was just called like news this month or something along those lines. And then I would outline a specific product in there. And then we would get people that would call in to talk about that product. Um, they would ask about it, my next meeting with them. Um, not everybody would respond to those newsletters, but a lot of people read them. And it helped me with natural upsells, but also just making them feel like they were talked to that month. Because once you have 
a hundred hosts and then maybe 30 plus advertisers, it can be hard to talk to every single person every single month. And so uh, my advertisers, for sure, that was monthly. My host locations had to kind of move to a quarterly basis, um, but I had a hundred plus. I mean, before we got to that point, we were talking to them every three months for sure, but it got to a point where we had to kind of encourage them to reach out to us. And if we didn't hear from them, we would have to figure out how to get in touch with them and just make sure that they knew the value that we were giving to them every month. That makes a lot of sense. So it's about having really, sounds like good systems in place, a lot of persistence and a lot of preparation in terms of knowing your clients and what their needs are going to be and what their potential needs will be down the line as yes. you develop that relationship. I, I like and that a lot. Honestly, I mean, the DMS team and the client services team can help immensely with this. We put together lists of, hey, let's look at your host list and then take a look at their online presence. And depending on what they're doing, how they're spreading their word, we can identify typically um, some really quality services that they can additionally put on. So the, the client services team, the DMS team, they all helped me with this as I was going, especially Mark, especially um, especially Mary Yelly. Everybody helps me a lot with uh, the targeting aspect of things, but we can help you with research. I think that kind of prepping immediately is good for this because it helps you plant your seeds as you're in your everyday conversations with them. Absolutely. And, and we'll get to what you do as a director of client services here in just a second. But I want to talk a little bit about you as a person, right? So like I said, Quinn and I have worked together now for over three years, a long, you know, it's still a long time. And You're like a brother to me. <laughs> yeah, well, 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 likewise, like a sister to me. And, you know, we truly from like almost day one of us working together, you, you kind of opened my eyes, right? I, I didn't really know you that well. And I remember, you know, I always think of myself as a very hard worker, as a grinder, just to be honest. And I, I came in, you know, I'd come in early in the morning, so was, you know, like seven, maybe even earlier. And you'd be sitting there with a pot of coffee already going. And I'm like, what the hell? Like this, this lady's nuts. This girl's nuts. Um, so a lot, and you and I have had a lot of conversations over time about a career versus a job, right? You're a very career oriented person, but I got to ask you, you know, what motivates you? Cause you, ha you have a different drive than the average human being. You're here early, you stay late and you, you're, you're smiling from sun up to sundown. Like, woohoo, this is great. I'm just gonna keep going at it. And it, and it motivates the rest of us. It motivates everyone around you. So what is it on a day-to-day -day basis that allows you to keep that high motor energy? I think that a lot of it is the the life that I want for myself. Um, I've never really, and we could talk about career versus job kind of mentality to start with, but I, even in graphic design, I had my own business because I was never really a clock in, clock out type of person. I had jobs even during that time where I had my own business and I would always get kind of bored, right? Um, clocking in, clocking out, just kind of the grind. You have your work life and then you have your home life. Going into graphic design and having my own business, those things started to kind of blend together my home life and my personal life and my work life. I was thrilled about that because... I have always, I've always been an entrepreneur, I feel like, but the truth is I need something that I feel like I'm contributing to the greater good in my everyday lifestyle. And that's another thing that really appealed to me about the sales role and, you know, running a dealership is that 
it is a lifestyle. I think that you vote with your dollar. And so everybody that you're doing business with on every day, whether you're going to lunch, whether you're hosting a party for your kid, whether you are going to the grocery store, I really have, I've always supported local, but having the opportunity for these local business owners to be my friend, my client, um, also, you know, a, 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 I mean, really, a lot of these business owners have been a really good friend and mentor to me as well. There, I've met some really hardworking business owners in this company um, that I've had as clients that I've learned a lot from, too. Uh, me running business, them running business, we have a lot of commonalities and a lot of similar struggles as well. But I think that the reason why I'm here so early and here late, so late at night and I'm working constantly is because I don't feel like I'm working constantly, truly. I mean, this is a part of my lifestyle. And regardless, I mean, the first thing that I'm thinking about when I wake up is probably a dealer. And then the last thing that I'm thinking about before I go to sleep is probably a host location that we have. I mean, it is really a part of my lifestyle and I'm really grateful for that as well because I feel like a lot of the work that I do is very fulfilling, but it doesn't feel like work, if that makes sense. I have a lot of fun doing what we do because I feel like I'm helping people. I'm contributing to the greater good. I'm working with my community. I mean, I don't know what more I could ask for in a role like this. I love that. I love that. And, and like I said, your energy is infectious. And I always say you can recognize an entrepreneur in about 60 seconds because it's the way they talk about what they do, right? If you talk to someone and they're like, oh yeah, I'm, I, I do this and I, you know, I have this going on. Or you talk to someone and they're like, I'm working on this, this, and this, and I'm excited to, to accomplish this. And this is my next goal. And this yes. is my next. You're like, okay, this is a different level. That's me. Me yeah, a little yeah. bit. <laughs> well, so you can recognize that very, very quickly. And I think people need to evaluate themselves uh, whether, you know, it's okay to be a nine to fiver type of, you know, kind of career person or job person, I should say, or be able to really tell yourself like, no, I'm not that. I really want to build something special. So I like that answer. And I like the fact that you said that. I think but that the biggest difference is in having a career and a job is that a career, like you don't ever clock off. It is a part of your lifestyle well and you really enjoy doing that. And then your nine to five, you know, job quotation marks is going to be when I leave, I do not even want to think about my job. That is two different things. And so I really encourage, you know, whoever's listening to this to find passion in what you're doing every day because it makes the journey easier, but also making it a part of your lifestyle and just what you do every day. It may cha take changing your lifestyle slightly, whether that be the places that you shop or whether that be the people that you surround yourself with, but it should be your lifestyle. Um, it should bleed into a lot of different aspects of your life. This is a, a holistic type of business. And I think that's a part of being an entrepreneur as a whole. You're you're hundred percent right. So do whatever you're passionate about and just follow that and, and really, you know, give it your all. Um, Jeff Dewey told me something uh, when I first started in this business and I wrote it on my mirror and it said, don't be afraid to be great. And I Love don't it. think it really sunk in until a little bit later because um, it does take more effort to really, I mean, make sure that all of your marketing campaigns are going phenomenal. You also have the client services aspects down. You also are creating amazing ads and you're doing amazing here and amazing here. And on top of that, you're doing webinars and there's so many things that you're doing. That is shooting and striving to be great and the best that you can be. But the truth is, once you raise the bar, you can't lower the bar, right? You have to keep raising the bar, keep raising the bar, keep performing highly. And you should find joy and passion in that. 
um, people are going to have joy and passion in achieving great things or joy and passion in kind of having the minimal. And I think that going above and beyond is definitely a lot harder work, but it is more rewarding at the end of the day. Absolutely. So let's transition the conversation to talk about now, you know, you're our director of client services and training. You've assembled basically what I deem to be an all-star team. You have yeah. team members of all different talents. And, and you know, I, I think a lot of people say that term like, oh yeah, all-star, dream team, all that. Seriously, here, I feel like we have one when you look at client services and yeah. in really every department, but especially client services. So, so what do you look for whenever you are, you know, hiring and finding these essentially consultants that are going to be helping these dealers and entrepreneurs build their business? What are those traits that you're looking for? Now, I think that there are, there are a couple different traits, but the number one is having a confident and outgoing personality. Um, I think that if you have that confident and outgoing personality, you've had to go through your trials and tribulations to build up that confidence, right? So I know that they have had um, things that have happened to them throughout their lives that have, I mean, really developed that. I'm looking for confident people who are happy, who like to talk, and at, at the end of the day as well, I mean, people who are hard workers. Um, so I'm looking for people who may have come from type, some type of startup. Maybe they had their own business. Maybe they worked in sales before. Um, but I mean, looking at Mary Ellie, she did door to door and she did door knocking for solar. That is, that, Crazy. is, <laughs> that is one heck of a position. Yes. Uh, then we have Haley as well. And she, she ran her own business as a freelance writer. So she knew what it was to work with a multitude of clients and kind of, uh, changing her conversation, depending on who she was talking to extremely marketing savvy, but take the both of them. I mean, they had some experience on the back end that kind of they, that taught them a lot of lessons with, you know, communication as well as working with multiple clients. And they're both some of the happiest girls that I've ever met in my life. They're both very positive and confident. A absolutely. And I, and I know you have a couple of other team members as well that are just very, you know, experienced and, and just really well-rounded team. So, as you guys are working with these dealers that are, you know, either they're all different stages. Some of them are brand new. Some of them have been with us literally, you know, over a decade now. So it's a lot of different personalities, a lot of different people in different stages. How do you, you know, really focus on each individual and helping them develop their business from all different stages? So we talk a lot internally on what's going to help specific dealers. We know that everybody comes from a different background. You know, some people with extensive sales experience, some who are uh, have absolutely no sales experience, some with, who don't even know what marketing is. So we have to meet them where they're at and bring them to where they need to be. So for somebody who they have no experience in marketing, no experience in sales, they've never ran a business before, um, never done anything even close to this, they're going to have a little bit steeper of a learning curve than somebody who maybe even has owned a business before or even has a marketing company. Um, we're going to have to do more with the people who lack some of that foundational knowledge. But we work so hard to giving that information quickly so that they could get up to speed and focus on mastering the other areas of the business. But we know how to go back to fundamentals. And that can even be of the fact of how to own a business. You're going to have to file taxes. Um, you're going to have to legally register your name. You're going to have to um, have tenacity and real grit on being told no. Are you just going to give up your whole business by being told no once? Um, you know, there are so many people that are a lot of different areas. So 
what I really pride our team on is being able to see where somebody's at and understanding where we need to still fill in the gaps and where they are really good at. And all we'll do is complement what you're really good at to give you the tools to go out there as quickly as possible and then continue to work with you on the things that you need to work on on the back end. Uh, but we really like to focus on uh, the positives and kind of building on those positives. So the weaknesses fade out over time, but also we really encourage this lifelong learning, right? We have these weekly webinars that each department does. We have a mentorship program with Larry Solis. We do these podcasts that you do. We have the knowledge base. We have in-person training. I mean, there are so many resources out there for the people who want to take advantage of them. And that's kind of that's kind of what we really try to focus on is communicating throughout the team of what this person needs and then brainstorming together on how we can help them the most. You know, I talked about Haley and Marielle a moment ago, but we also have uh, Ron Burford. Ron. He runs his own dealership in Florida. He's been with the business for, I think, since the beginning. And he's had a lot of success in this business. He has a true, true capability of seeing where somebody's at and what is it going to take to make this person great. And then Carol Rosen, same story. Um, she's been with the company for years, but she used to sell on the outdoor billboards for Lamar in New York. And so we know that she's had a lot of those higher level conversations, but she's worked with a lot of salespeople herself. And so she knows kind of what are the steps to really teaching somebody sales from the ground up? And what are the steps of just teaching somebody about this business who's maybe done really good in sales? So I guess the answer to your question, there's so many different ways that we could go about this, but we cater every single training program to the dealer we're across from. I mean, yeah, that's a very, very well, well worded answer. And so with that, right, you, you already kind of alluded to a little bit of where I'm about to go with this, but you mentioned, you know, we, we deal with dealers from all walks of life, right? We deal with dealers that have owned many businesses that are currently still owning, you know, maybe realtors, whatever they own different ventures or, or consultants. And then we deal with the other side of the coin with people that have never even owned a business that have never sold, that have never been to marketing. And yet they do really well. And in your, you know, uh, you know, kind of best estimation or your best answer, why does this model work so well for so many different types of people? Well, number one that I've seen, I mean, even just talking to dealers who have had other businesses and that me having my own business and a lot of family members owning their own businesses, low overhead is huge for giving you the capability to thrive as a business early on. Um, being able to launch your business and then not being crushed by rent and inventory and all of these things right off the bat prevent you from going into debt immensely just to start your business. We know that most businesses are going to fail within those first three years, but we find that our, uh, our tenure is a lot longer than that first three years because of the low overhead. So it gives business owners a chance to learn how to be a business owner and how to build their business while they're building the infrastructure of their network, which I find that especially brick and mortar locations and businesses can it can be really hard, really hard for these business owners, especially if you're a new business owner. You're not only learning how to manage a brick and mortar, but you're also learning how to be a business owner as a whole. I think on top of that, that a lot of business opportunities, either you're you're starting a business that somebody else had, you're buying a franchise, or you're starting from scratch. In a lot in the business world in general, I think you and I have talked about this a lot, but it's kind of discouraging to see the lack of help and just kind of trying to monetize off of new business owners. 
I think that we truly helped with all of the resources that we're giving people and the in-depth training. I have dealers who have been in business for years and were actually quite successful, but they always have encompassed at the end of the day to call if they're unsure about something. I think that a lot of business owners are in this journey alone. You know, again, they have high overhead. And then also, I think they have somewhat of a lack of direction. So they're they're reinventing the wheel. Again, not only do we provide all this training support, you're never alone, but we have tried and true systems. So we're not just going to give you something and say, okay, go try this pitch out. Let's see how it works. No, we have already tested this in several markets. We've tested our materials in several markets. We always test before we release. And so everything that we're giving our dealers has been successful in the field or else we would not release it. Absolutely. And, and you're, you're 100% right. I, I have, uh, I've talked to a lot of other business opportunities, franchise opportunities, things like that. And it's insane the amount of support that we provide versus them. It almost blew me away because I didn't understand that we were, you know, that that what we do is not normal. It's not the standard in, in the kind yeah. of the same realm and industry of having a support system that you're buying into, right? So it, it's phenomenal. And, you know, something else you alluded to there, the overhead cost, right? The, the cost here is very low. Once you have your, your billboards established and all that, your overhead is extremely, extremely low. And you don't have to worry about, hopefully I get enough, you know, sales in this month, all of that, because we are set up on that recurring revenue model. So once you land a client, they're paying you every single month. And that's- And it snowballs. It, it does. It, it, it absolutely does. What would you say is, because, you know, every single industry, every single business has the top performers. What is that X factor that our top, let's say, 10% of dealers have, right? The ones that are pulling in insane amounts of revenue. What is, what is it that separates them from the rest of the pack? <laughs> I love this question. And a lot of people roll their eyes when they hear my answer. But the truth is numbers. It's in the numbers. Our most tenacious, successful dealers in this business, they will talk to 20 people in a day Whereas some people who are just kind of trucking along will talk to 20 people in a week. Our top performers are getting through the numbers. So they're not letting no hold them back. They're also not procrastinating. They're not letting all of the daily things get into the way of their sales. They prioritize their conversations and introducing themselves to as many people as possible, which the chamber can help with, don't get me wrong, but that's kind of like a nightly side activity. My numbers are done through door knocking and cold calling and going and introducing myself to people, so on. The chamber is kind of a supplement to that, but it's our top performers, they get through some outstanding numbers. They are very focused on getting the word out. I love that. That's a a phenomenal answer. And Quinn, I think you and I could, like you said, talk for hours and hours and hours, and I think we should have a follow-up podcast soon. Um, But I'm going to go ahead and kind of wrap it up here. Is there any last you know, kind of advice you can give to, to new entrepreneurs out there um, at all before you in this, this session? All I have to say is don't be afraid to be great. Again, the bar raises every single time that you improve things. You know, you can't just be great and then one month not be great. I mean, the more that you improve, the higher the bar gets raised. But my biggest advice is to raise that bar as high as you can and continue to raise it every single month and be a master of your craft. You do it no matter. I think that that's another aspect of these successful salespeople is like they are they are never not humble enough to learn more. Um, you're always learning more, especially in sales, especially in marketing. So don't be afraid to be great and give it your all 
but also learn constantly continue to educate yourself and surround yourself with dealers like-minded people entrepreneurs um the people who are really winning in your community i love that be confident but yet humble enough to keep improving and learning and developing yeah just take it day by day yeah don't be afraid to be great <laughs> don't be afraid to be great i love it quinn well thank you so much for taking the time to come on and uh we'll have you back on soon thanks patrick thanks quinn Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Boards. I hope you enjoyed it. This podcast is hosted by myself and produced alongside Haley Burt. The music is composed by Rocket Jr. Be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And please leave us a review if you like what you hear. On behalf of our entire Beyond the Boards team, thank you for tuning in. And we'll see you next time as we continue to explore the fascinating world of digital out-of-home advertising.